Welcome to the Remote Leadership Podcast. I'm Deborah Dinocenzo, and I'll be your host and guide as we explore new challenges and proven keys to success for leaders and teams who must get results from a distance. For more than two decades, I've helped organizations and leaders successfully go virtual. Now that we're all on a trajectory toward the next normal of work from anywhere and hybrid teams, I'm excited to share with you the insights and expertise that thousands of leaders and teams have acquired through my books, coaching, training, and presentations. Join me to learn tips, techniques, and skills that leaders and teams in your organization can implement now to achieve effectiveness in our evolving remote workplace. Welcome to this episode of the Remote Leadership Podcast, focused on ways remote leaders can overcome quiet quitting. I'm Deborah Dinocenzo, and I'm especially excited today to welcome back Jason Morwick. Jason and I recently published a book, Remote Leadership, Successfully Leading Work From Anywhere and Hybrid Teams. As a longtime practitioner in the virtual workspace, Jason brings a wealth of experience and insights on remote work, trends in the expanding hybrid workplace, and practical solutions for remote leaders. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Deborah, for having me back. Well, always a pleasure. Always great to work with you. And uh, people will recall from a previous podcast, we did our story of how we had never even met until uh, after we wrote the book, which I think is just a really cool example of uh, how the remote workplace does not hinder creativity and innovation. So Jason, to get us started, I think it's important. Let's just, what is this quiet quitting that everyone's talking about that seems to be the, the latest trend or at least the hot topic? Although the term quiet quitting is the new buzzword, I think it is really something that has been around for quite some time, even pre-pandemic. We've always just called it back then employee disengagement, right? right. When yep. employees don't want to put in any additional discretionary effort. And pre-pandemic, that's what a lot of employers were after. They did surveys, they figured out you know, how they can increase employee engagement because that meant they could squeeze more work out of their employees. And I think during the pandemic, that period of time gave, uh, gave a chance for people to step back and really reevaluate work and their life and to see where things fit in and what's important to them and start to reevaluate things. So as employers are complaining that people are doing the bare minimum, well, They're doing what is necessary uh, to get them through their job, but they're not going to put in 10 or 12 hours worth of work for only eight hours of pay. They're going to do what's necessary to maintain their lifestyle. And maybe that's it because work is no longer the top priority in their life. Yeah. And I think uh, the the pandemic, you're right. This, this existed, this dynamic existed. uh, It's existed forever. Um, I know when I, I worked on a military base, the, the the term was road, retired on active duty. And, you know, the assumption was if you were within 18 months of retirement, you were just not giving it your all anymore. And um, but I think, you know, what's different is uh, I hate to say it, it's the icing on the cake, but it's accelerated this or it's exponentially more 
uh, present or were more aware of it. I was just reading a piece by Work Human, um, and it said, the pandemic has left workplaces reimagined. Of course, we know that. And workers forever changed. And you were just referencing the the reflection that has happened, the reprioritization that has occurred among people. And Work Human went on to say, and it's a wake-up call for employers. And I think that's where we need to focus today. What's changed for employers? And certainly organizations are operating now in a very different environment with the state of the economy, uh, the flux in markets, inflation, recession, supply chain issues, which have not really gotten a lot better in many cases, ex- exchange rate problems, challenges. And, you know, bottom line, when it comes down to staffing, not getting people, not getting the talent that they need, and those that they have in light of all the economic situations, doing more with less. Are you seeing that? Yes, and I was just going to bring up that phrase, doing more with less, because I'm sure everyone has heard that at some point in the past, but it seems like many companies are saying that more and more right now. I think a lot of people are expecting a recession to come through early next year, and because of that, they may uh, have a hiring freeze going on or maybe slowing down some of their hiring so they're not backfilling positions quite as fast, or as you said, they can't find the talent that they need currently. So the people that are already there end up doing more work, or at least the expectation is that they're going to do more work than they have in the past. But of course, their compensation is not being adjusted accordingly. Right. And and they're not, they're just not in the frame of mind to want to step up and give it their all and do more. I mean, this is not true for everybody, obviously. Um, and But it, it certainly seems to be the case you know, uh, Gallup just did a study recently, and their data indicates that quiet quitters make up at least, and they think more, at least 50% of the U.S. workforce, which from an employer perspective, a leader perspective, is just pretty scary because overcoming that, which is really what we're, the challenge that we're talking about today, overcoming that is not only challenging, but it takes an inordinate investment of of time and energy. Correct. And what I feel bad for, if anyone are those supervisors and middle managers that are out there in corporations, because they don't have the levers such as changing someone's compensation necessarily, right? Right. They can argue for that, but they don't, in many cases, have the decision-making authority to change that structure. So they're left with team members that might be disengaged, that might be quiet quitters, and they have to deal with the challenge of trying to motivate them uh, to ensure that their key success metrics, whatever they may be, are met. Right. You know, I think as as I, I as I look at it, and from what I hear from from leaders uh, who are confronting these challenges, but it's it's difficult. Is you know we're in a place where we really we've been. First of all, you know, talking about the next normal of the remote workplace and what that looks like and what does hybrid look like. And now we're really rethinking the whole organization employee compact, As, you know, aside from any contracts people might have or from their regardless of their job description. It's a compact that we have when we employ people. And, you know, typically we've paid for 
hours worked, but we've wanted more. You mentioned that briefly. We've wanted we've wanted their heart and soul. We wanted them to be committed. We want them to love what they're doing and give it their all. And that doesn't seem to be happening. That's why we have this thing called quiet quitting. The great resignation happened for a while. It's probably still happening. All the economy is impacting that right now. So what what can leaders do? What are some of the the actions that they can take, steps they can take uh, to to begin to confront this and to address what you said from the beginning? It's all about um, people are disengaged, so we have to re-engage them. Where do they? Where do leaders start with that? I think number one, it starts with some of the fundamentals and what you would call leadership one hundred and one. You know, it's about setting the right example. It's about not asking people to do things that you wouldn't do yourself. It's about being transparent, communicating with your team members often, being open and honest with them, recognizing that, you know, they may have challenges um, and that, you know, work may not be the top priority in their lives. So understanding, you know, what drives them, listening to them to get a better understanding of who they are, what makes them tick, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, from everything I'm seeing um, and what I see leaders trying to do, it, it starts with communication. It also builds on and you need to build on trust, building trust. Um, and so, how you know, how do people do that? We talked about that in, in our book, of course. Um, but so, first of all, I want to just reference what you mentioned earlier, that a lot of leaders you know, right up to senior executive leaders, uh, aren't in a position to say, well, you know, if I just give them more money, maybe they'll be more engaged, they'll be more motivated. I don't think it's about throwing money because I think you throw money at some of these situations, some of these people, that's not that's not necessarily going to take care of it. And that's not an option anyway. So coming back to basics, uh, communicating, reaching out to people, we have this plethora of fabulous tech tools that people can use now. Um, and I, you know, I keep reminding people and I feel like a broken record because it's still, it continues to be true. This is not the time to under communicate. Uh, leaders have to use this mix of methods that we have. And I believe use the most live tools that they have, which means, you know, live voice, reach out to people, pick up the phone, um, have video meetings where there's live live human connectivity and human connection. You mentioned compensation, which is interesting because there were surveys done throughout the pandemic that showed that people preferred flexibility even over additional compensation. And it's interesting to try to understand why that is. And I think a lot of senior leaders who have recalled people back into the office erroneously think it's really because people just want to work in their pajamas all day. And that is clearly not the case. And it bothers me every time somebody evokes that image. Uh, you have to understand why do people really want flexibility? A lot has to do with working parents, especially working mothers that have childcare issues and need that flexibility to take care of uh, things at home uh, and responsibilities with around their children and that sort of thing. Other people have other personal obligations that they're trying to balance with their work schedule. So the whole concept of providing flexibility is really granting people more freedom 
to structure their day, to be able to better integrate work and life. And if you understand that piece, then you can begin to think about, okay, what are the challenges that somebody may have? And it really forces you as a leader to be more empathetic. And I think that is motivating to a lot of team members to have a leader that is that empathetic, that will understand their needs and try to help them with that. Right. I think that kind of gets to where some of the solutions might be, and that is to afford people more flexibility um, and adapt to what people want and need, because you're right. I mean, we've seen this data for for several years, even pre-pandemic, where people would choose to work for a little bit less for greater flexibility. And um, so I think that ties into another, and it's a, it's a, a basic, getting back to basics, leadership 101. Uh, we tend to lose sight of it when we get really busy, but it's really important right now. And we're all hearing more about of it. And, and that is really conveying the value and the appreciation that we have for people and the work that they're doing. And, and empathy for the, all the balls that they're trying to keep juggling in the, and keep in the air, uh, because it's, it's difficult for young families and, uh, and schools still occasionally shut down. We're going into winter and we're going to have weather issues and we're going to have flu issues. And, uh, so we need to, leaders need to be more in a position to adapt to, what people need, which does convey empathy and appreciation for for them and the job they're doing if we can adapt and flex to their needs. Agreed. Yes. Yep. So, um, and, you know, go, going back to communication, a lot of how we convey that is by, by communicating, keeping in touch with people, focusing on on building trust, which means you do that through starting with building familiarity, um, and that is between leader and team members. I also think it's important for leaders to ensure that members of the team feel connected to each other and um, are in a position to support each other. That means encouraging rapport and relationship building at the team level. Uh, And I say all this recognizing that everybody's running at hyperspeed once again and doing more with less. And there are only so many hours in a day. And, and, you know, that what we talked about earlier, the kind of reprioritization, the reflection of what's important, the um, kind of re rethinking of how I want to invest my life energies that didn't just happen just with employees that happened with leaders as well. So many leaders are also struggling with all these challenges to keep people engaged, and they themselves don't feel as engaged as they might have at one time. That is true. And I think remote working over the course of the pandemic taught us one thing is that we had to be very intentional and purposeful with how we did things right? Because we could no longer just grab somebody as we walked down the hallway or saw them in a break room. We had a scheduled time with people and that sort of thing. So it forced us to be very intentional with how we were using our time. And I often think regardless if we're back in the office or we're still working remotely, that we have to be very purposeful, very intentional with our relationships, 
right? To think about the work relationships that you have and that you rely on. If you're a manager and you have team members, or if you're just a person in an organization trying to get things done, you need those relationships around you to make it happen. So how are you building those? How are you maintaining those? Are you setting some time aside just to, you know, catch up with various people to get to know them and to make sure that things aren't just transactional in nature? Because if that's the case, and people will become quick, even more quickly disengaged uh, because they'll, they'll feel absolutely no connection to their other team members or to the organization at large. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we saw some of that during the, particularly the early part of the pandemic, where we really were concerned about each other. You know, we were all kind of living through a collective near-death experience. Um, You know, we didn't have vaccines. People, some people were very worried. Kids were home from school. And so we saw more examples then, I believe, of leaders doing creative and innovative things to help people be connected, feel connected, reach out to them at at a human level. And we talked about that in the book, some of the examples of fun and creative things people did. I think we're, you know, now pressure's on, we're kind of back to meetings start and, and we're overlooking some of those opportunities to, particularly when new team members join uh, to get people familiar with each other, get to know people um, and, So one of the ways to do that, of course, we talked about it in the book, is to ensure that when you're doing virtual meetings, whether it's a hybrid meeting or a completely remote meeting, um, that you're taking time for some of those social interactions, the kind of things that would happen if we were meeting face-to-face, and using things like icebreakers. And we have the virtual meeting icebreakers in in, uh, the book. And I just want to mention to everyone listening that uh, we've provided that actually as an excerpt and available as a free download at remoteleadershipbook.com and just uh, scroll down to free resources and uh, you can download the virtual meeting icebreakers. And uh, Jason did much of the work on that section, translating uh, face-to-face icebreaker activities into remote and hybrid meeting icebreaker activities. And it's a really cool tool. And uh, this gives me an opportunity to remind people also, my other big mantra is leaders need to continue to think about how to replicate and simulate what would we would do if we were all face-to-face um, and do that through these technology tools that we have. So I think bottom line, communication is vitally important, reaching out to people. And, and you know, leaders are always asking me, well, you know, how often? Well, the, of course, the answer is, it all depends. It depends on what each person needs, which means you have to get to know each member of your team and maybe even agree on how often you'll check in with people. Um, and doing more to convey this uh, this sense of uh, appreciation so that people feel appreciated. And some of that is just the check-ins that we do. Hey, how's your day going? And as you mentioned, Jason, that kind of replicates and simulates that I bump into you in the in the break room and say, hey, how's your day going? Right. And Deborah, as you're talking on another screen in my home office, I have a news feed coming in and I can see what's going on at Twitter with Elon uh-huh. Musk taking the helm and the layoffs that are happening today. And not surprisingly, maybe some of the images of people that are leaving the building 
they're actually smiling and looking like they're happy. And I think there's a message here that no one wants to feel burnt out. No one wants right. to feel undervalued, underappreciated. And I think the pandemic has taught people that, you know what, they're worth more than that. And if that's not reflected, at least in their compensation, then at least personally, if they're not feeling appreciated at work, then why bother working there? Why, you know, feel burnt out all the time? Uh, so I think that's why people are checking out. They're quiet quitting in a lot of cases. So I think leaders, just by exercising some empathetic leadership from, you know, what I call the leader fundamentals, uh, can go a long way to ensure that people stay engaged. Without question, I think this particular moment. So first of all, Jason, this means you're multitasking while we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) So living proof that people do that. And that's okay. If you can keep up with our conversation, that's fine with me. And, you know, Twitter at this very moment is chaos on steroids, right? Um, Because we talk to people and leaders every day who are feeling overwhelmed not maybe in the state of chaos that Twitter is in currently, but it's hard to keep up. There's always too much to do and it is exhausting for people. And sometimes the best that leaders can do is to be empathic about that. And part of empathy is, you know, actually saying, going to sympathy, which is, I know how you feel because I some days, sometimes right now I'm feeling the same way. And so what can we do about that? That's a way of to engage people to say, you know, what what can I do to help you? What can we do together about that? What could I do to make our team meetings um, take less time? Um, any number of creative solutions to get people to help address the, the challenge. Sometimes the challenge is there's just, as you mentioned earlier, Jason, just not enough people. I was recently um, in a, a store um, and they didn't have any checkout lines open. There was only self-checkout, and it is because the, the, the person that was helping with self-checkout said, well, you know, I don't usually do this. We were having a little problem with the self-checkout, and uh, the, the, the cashier, uh, probably wasn't really a cashier, said, I don't really, I don't, I don't do this very often. I'm just helping out here because we had 10 people call off today on this shift. And so those people who were there in this store had to feel, had to feel like they were trying to do a lot more with a whole lot less. Yeah. And unfortunately that's not sustainable, right? So need to figure out ways in order to make people want to come back to work. Yep. Yep. Um, And so, so that is a challenge and, and a lot of people are debating why people aren't coming to work. So, but leaders need to focus on the people that they do have keeping them engaged. And so I think another way to keep people engaged and to feel valued and appreciated is to uh, work with them, with them on their, uh, on their development, the coaching and supporting team members on professional and personal development um, and there may not be a promotion immediately available, but helping people develop for when there is an opportunity to advance. And so let's let's just talk briefly about some ways that leaders can help with um, coaching people and supporting them in their development so that they are ready for new opportunities. Yeah, and that gets back to really understanding your team members, right? What do they want to do in the future? 
what excites them, what keeps them engaged if they are engaged. And once you find those levers, then trying to match them with opportunities that may take them in that area a little bit further, right? And it might not even be something that directly has to do with their current role, right? Right. It might be something that's kind of on the periphery. But yet, if that's what's going to keep them motivated at work, then as a leader, then you should pursue that and and try to find opportunities in that area uh, that will help that person develop those skills or those desires. Right. So that might mean, you know, support them taking some internal training um, if there's budget for that or uh, assigning them to some special projects uh, so long as it doesn't feel like it's doing more work for the same amount of money. But I think it's also important to remind leaders they don't have to guess at what that is. So many times leaders just don't stop and ask so what can I do to help you? What would be motivating to you? Uh, are there some skills you'd like to develop that I could help? I could support you in that development. And let's explore some of the creative ways to do that. Have you thought about any ways to do that? The leader doesn't have to have all the answers. Um, and some of that might be, you know, off the job learning opportunities, um, you know, for somebody to get more comfortable with speaking, um, to do some some self-development off the job if that those aren't opportunities aren't offered within the organization. Um, I also think this ties into the importance of getting back to communication, uh, the whole issue of transparency. And if there are no new jobs, no promotion opportunities uh, on the immediate horizon, then I think it's fair to be transparent about that, um, but to also say, you know, we, you, but we, you know, you're a keeper, and we want to invest in you. I want to invest in you, and I want to help you. Yeah, I agree with that approach, Deborah. And I think, like we've been saying all along, there's a lot of things that leaders can do without having to try to move something that's beyond their control, like promotional opportunities or compensation. Uh, or anything like that. Leaders still have things in their toolbox that they can employ to help ensure that, you know, people are still engaged. Right, right. And I think um, that's really important. And as we wrap up, I want to leave people with that thought. Focus on what you can do as a leader and not all the impossibilities, all the things that are outside of your control, because everybody has those things. And it's a tough time right now, but what what can you do? And obviously you can communicate more frequently. You can focus on building rapport and trust, getting to know team members, ensuring that team members get to know each other. If that means having a, a virtual lunch once a week where there's no discussion about business, why not do that? That, that There's no cost to that. Um, that's a way to keep people connected and to do things like that, uh, to, but to remember and and rely on the things that you can do that will help people feel valued and appreciated and want to stick around and maybe want to step up and do a little more for you as a leader because you're doing a little more for them. And Deborah, just one yep. final thought because yes. you called me out on multitasking. And I just saw I I just saw another tweet from Elon Musk saying that small talk should be illegal. And I am the polar opposite of that. I, I say, you know, 
have that small talk with your team. You know, talk about something other than work, get to know them. Uh, and, and, you know, you'll find that over time, you'll have more in common with them than just the task at hand, uh, whatever that work task is. And you'll have some real true bonds uh, growing. And that will help you in the long run versus just trying to be all business all the time. You know, small talk is so human, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. you know, that that reminds me of a situation years ago when I was working with a, a banking client and they were um, moving to tel- telecommuting back, you know, when we used to call it telecommuting, they were moving some people to work from home. And uh, I was working with the planning team and they were wondering and debating um, and this gets back to the compensation issue we talked about. And we should do a whole other podcast on this issue, Jason. Uh, but they were debating, um, should people sign off after their work is done, even if they haven't worked their full eight hours? Or should they have to be signed on for eight hours, whether their work is done or not? So it gets it, that, of course, gets into a whole discussion about performance management and how we manage performance. Mm-hmm how we compensate. And it was very interesting. At one point, one of the people in the meeting said, well, you know, here's what we have to think about. When we're here in the office, some days we'll spend 45 minutes talking about where we're going to go to lunch. <laughs> and, you know, and it was kind of a little wake up call for them. And they had to really continue to rethink, are they, were they paying people for a, uh, the work that they did, or were they paying them to be signed on for eight hours? Which gets back to, you know, are people being compensated for the time they're in the office or for the work that they do? And, you know, that was early on in t- the telecommuting days. And um, I have long said remote work uh, is the best thing that could ever happen for for performance management because it forces us to think about you know, what What are we really expecting of people? How do we communicate that? Um, and I think part of the whole issue with quiet quitting right now is that people aren't really clear about their expectations and the rewards for that and the the value that's placed on that. And so they're checking out. So I think that, that re- also reminds us that wherever there's the opportunity to flex, as you mentioned earlier, Jason, to adapt to people's needs. Um, and, uh, you know, if somebody needs to leave every day at 515 instead of 530 to be able to pick up their kids at daycare, uh, that, that we are flexible with that. So long as we can flex with equally uh, with other people on the team to meet their needs, which means they, they might not have to leave at 515, but they need some other accommodation. Well said. So anything you'd like to add, Jason, as we as we wrap up? Any news from Twitter you'd like to include? <laughs> Jason. That's all the funny. tweets I've seen for today. You know? <laughs> okay, well, that's great. And very timely, of course. So um, so exciting times again, new challenges all the time. Um, but, you know, we're here to help people, you know, move forward into the what we, we call the next normal of the remote and hybrid workplace. And I'll just wrap up with reminding everyone our book is available on Amazon as well as rem- at remoteleadershipbook.com. And um, remember to download the virtual meeting icebreakers, which is on that same website, remoteleadershipbook.com. 
And uh, Jason, thanks again for being here. And I'll look forward to you joining for another podcast. As always, Deborah, thank you for having me. You take care and, uh, you know, keep tabs on Twitter. Will do. (laughs) Okay. Take care. Thanks, Jason. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remote Leadership Podcast. If you found value in what you heard, share this with your colleagues. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Additional free resources and direct ways to reach me are available at remoteleadershippodcast.com. Thanks for listening and for always learning.